Is this the reading room? Yes, I'm Saad Manzul. And I'm Travis Howard. This is Reading Room Talk live from Howard University. Welcome, welcome. We're back with the glorious, the notorious Dr. Asante Dixon. Part two. Yes, how are you today? I am fine, gentlemen. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, thank you so much for being here. You know, we got into it. Well, first of all, you're like a friend of the show now. It's like, you know, you might as well be a co-host. Appreciate you being here. So I think the last time we uh, talked, I think we got into uh, residency, but we didn't talk about residency, though. Tell us about radiology residency. Radiology residency. Well, firstly, um, radiology residency is it's residency. Every specialty has their residency stories. Um, but radiology, of course, is unique in that we are so technologically associated. Mm-hmm. So part of your training is, in addition, how to treat patients, depending on what service you may be on. But in addition, it's actually you're learning how to use computers, you know, yeah. and how computers function to assist you in the diagnosis and the treatment of patients. Um, True. Technology was moving and continues to move in radiology so fast that in your four years of radiology residency, there may have been software in your first year that by the time you were fourth year, that software is outdated. That's so true. That is so (laughs) So true. true. And it's always changing. It's always changing. And so with that being the backdrop, um, you can imagine that Radiology requires, and again, I'm not trying to make it sound like other specialties. You're not always reading. You're not always learning. But you were always reading something because not only did you need to learn what are, what are the clinical manifestations of PE, but you also needed to learn what does PE look like and how does it look in different patients? How does it look when the bolus is good? How does it look when the bolus is bad? No, that's a good point. How does it look when the timing is off, but the bolus is good? Right? How does it look when the patient's got heart failure? Right. right? Exactly. How does it look when the patient is 450 pounds? Right? Which in this country is not, uh, <laughs> you know, it's not the oddest It's not uncommon. It's not uncommon. And then you have to then learn in residency the old, okay, do I call it suboptimal and then have to deal with it again in another two hours because you know they're going to reorder it? Or ah. do I put my foot on it and just say, can't see very well, but it's not there. <laughs> right? That's that gut call, man. That's right. the nuance. That's, that is That's something you have to, to grow into for sure. Yeah, that's and, tough. And attendings, <laughs> when you're in residency, you see attendings who are, there are some attendings that everything is suboptimal, can't see, mm-hmm. try it again. Uh-huh. And then there's mm-hmm. some attendings that you're looking and you're like, I can't see anything. And they're like, not a great study, but it's not there. Negative. Move yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. Right? And so you're... You, Shout you're, out those radiologists. <laughs> and so I always was trying to figure out how do I how do I split the difference and it's an art for sure. Be the person in the middle, right? You don't always want to be like 
this is it, that's it, move on. Yeah. But you don't always want to be the hedger either. No, not at all. Right? Let me tell you, do you think you learn more from coming down hard most of the time? Because you're going to be wrong, right? Yeah. And when you're wrong, it'll stick and you'll learn. Yeah. At least you made a decision. Yeah. Now, when you have folks' lives at stake, that is, that is definitely makes you pause, right? Yeah. But I think you learn a lot from making a decision and sticking with it. Oh, yeah, letting it sit. Yeah, I agree. So remember, we're talking about what I was thinking when I was a resident, right? <laughs> now, if we were to have a conversation now about how many times I say, I can't see anything, but it's not there, it would be different than when I was a resident. When I was a resident, I was scared. Yeah, for yeah, sure, yeah. For sure. And Because there's more stuff in your mind. It's, like, it's not just about being right or wrong. It's like, is my attending going to agree with me, which mm-hmm. can be different. <laughs> so is my attending going to agree with me? Um, and remember, you're being evaluated, and it's a continuation of the same crabs in a barrel type me- mentality because you got yeah. residents that are your colleagues who are watching you get eviscerated <laughs> because you put your foot down on something and then you were wrong. Right, right. 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 And so now you got to deal with your resident colleagues, kind of like. Yeah, yeah, I saw you. Yeah, yeah, I saw you. Yeah, you didn't hear it. Too bad. Yeah. Better, better, better look next time. Yeah. Write your follow up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll be in the uh, the other reading room if you look yeah. for me. So, you know, um, that was a consideration. You know, you know. Okay, now juxtaposed to now as an attending, I am definitely one of those people who's like. It's a meningioma, mm-hmm. even though it could be lymphoma coming out of the cella, creeping up into the supracellar cistern. It, it could be a germinoma. Uh, it could be a craniopharyngioma. Uh, it could be a whole lot of stuff. But what I've learned, and I learned this more in fellowship, dealing with Scott Atlas, who was, he ran the ship at Stanford. Mm-hmm. And Scott Atlas was, he would turn to you and he'd be like, yeah, it could be this, it could be that, it could be this, it could be that, but do you want to be that guy that all your dictations say it could be this, it could be that? No. You'd be a loser. That's what he'd say. You'd be like, you're a loser. Shout out, Scott Atlas. So make a, make a decision. Yeah, yeah. Make a decision. So exactly what you were saying. And that's when I really started being kind of more definitive mm-hmm. as many times as I could and diminishing those differentials because I used to think, because Atlas used to say all the time, what do you think? When, when these people are reading these reports, first of all, they don't know what half of these things even look like, right? So for them, it's a diagnosis and they have to then determine what they're going to diagnose the patient with. Mm-hmm. So the more noise you give them, is number one, the more difficult it is for them to diagnose, and number two, the more they start to question you if they see this repetitively, right. that you're just a hedger. Yeah, yeah, you don't know what you're looking at. Sonic, <laughs> the hedgehog, yes. Right? And he also spoke, you know, listen, he is, he is somebody that I give a lot of respect to. He also used to talk about 
the respect that radiologists get mm-hmm. and how we don't get the respect we deserve partially because we're not in the room. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when you're not in the room, you're the easiest one to talk about. It's a great point. And mm-hmm. I'll give you an example. You know, I'm, I'm completely Scott Atlas, right? I don't leave measurements on my images. If I measure something, I either slide the measurements to the side, the calipers, yeah, yeah, yeah. or I erase them immediately. I don't store images. And the reason being is I have two reasons. One... As a resident, um, one of the neuroradiology attendings used to say, you gotta be careful with storing images because it's part of the medical record now. Mm-hmm. So you mislabel that spine. Now everybody knows you mislabeled the spine because you got it all measured and you got it all ordered. <laughs> okay. right? So when they're looking at it retrospectively and the neurosurgeon, <coughs> excuse me, the neurosurgeon takes out the wrong vertebral body, they're gonna look back and they're gonna be like, well, of course he did, because Dixon numbered it T3, and it's really T5. And we don't have to guess, because it's right there. Mm. And that shook me, right? So I was like, okay, let me be easy. Very interesting. And then number two was Scott Atlas used to say all the time, if all you do all day is show other physicians that never truly understand the art of what you do, that you measure things because that's what they will see. They won't see the nuance of the sequences and the interpretation of disease. They will see calipers and measurements. They will naturally, as human beings always do, reduce your specialty and reduce your value to somebody who just measures things. Very interesting. And, and I, again, that hit me really hard. He was like, radiologists are always fighting to get the recognition that we deserve. Mm -hmm. And when you leave people the opportunity to devalue you based on their own... Yeah, they have their own own biases. Unwillingness to give you what you deserve. Mm -hmm. You don't want to give them more ammunition by just being a service that measures masses. Right? And so... Now, whether you agree with me or not, and you may be listening and say, that's ridiculous. That's fine. But I take my calipers off for that reason. I don't want anybody saying, oh, you know, what do you do all day? You come in a tent and you measure some masses? (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) You measure them and the the size is in the report. Right. But then I guess I take it out. That's interesting. Well, I mean, like as an interventional radiologist, I mean, do you just, I mean, in general, like, I feel like you guys just either remeasure or do your own measurements when you're looking at these things or like, what yeah, would you? Yeah, a lot of times we remeasure. I mean, but you guys are radiologists though, so. But it is helpful to have more brilliant minds yeah. on the case. Yeah. So, so I, really I definitely, I definitely read and pay attention to, you know, a reread. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. It sounds like, I was going to say, it sounds like Dr. Scott Atlas really just gave you confidence in, like, a system that you could, like, rely on, which is, like, very important to, like, gain your confidence, like, when it comes to, like, reading these studies. So, that's... I think what he did for me was he made me be a radiology advocate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He taught us 
that we are the backbones of this medical system in terms of the diagnosis and treatment of patients because 82% of patients coming through the ER are coming through us. Thanks. And <laughs> That's true. When you listen to physicians talk, and this is something I often laugh when I hear them talk and give presentations, they often are literally repeating the radiology report, right? Yeah, and correct. I used to play a game, still do to some, some degree, but when I was <laughs> first uh, in, in attending, I used to put things in my report on purpose that I could recognize if I went in any conference, I would know it was my report they were reading because there would be a word that I would put in there that I know the neurosurgeon is not using the word abutment mm. relative to the T1 signal or something like that. It's just, it's just not, that's not a phrase they would use. And I would put it in there purposely to see if somebody <laughs> would repeat it. So then I could be like, oh, is, is that what you thought? Or did you read that somewhere? Right? And it was my own internal fight that I had to get radiologists to get the recognition they deserve. You know, how many times, you know, and I'm talking to people who are radiologists or want to be radiologists. So this is a specific crowd I'm talking to, right? Mm. What used to make me chuckle is, you know, patient comes in through the ER and the ERs are busy because they're pushing patients through. They order a CT. They barely put their hands on the patient because it's busy. CT comes back with a diagnosis of mesenteric paniculitis. I'm just making this up because I just called that the other day. Mm. ER doc comes in and says to the patient, all right, Ms. Johnson, um, we've done... Uh, series of tests and um, you know, I've listened to your story and you know I, I'm kind of thinking you've probably got you know you've probably never heard of this but I think you've got mesenteric pediculitis and the patient's like looks at their husband and they're like oh, what does that mean <laughs> and they're like well you know we're going to admit you for this and blah 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 but that ER doctor did not diagnose mesenteric pediculitis <laughs> That was the radiologist. Or cholecystitis. Yeah. Or appendicitis. <laughs> or any of that. He didn't diagnose that. Hey, that was the radiologist 60 feet away, a floor yeah. above, below, or down the hallway, mm. that put it in a report, and then they said... Or in another part of the country. Or, or in another part of the country, and said, this patient's got mesenteric paniculitis. Now, again, for those of you listening... Again, I'm just talking to my radiology people because they understand the battle we have for recognition. Right. And so... That's how we do this. These podcasts. And so I am always a radiology fighter, and I got that from, from Scott Atlas because he was, like, always pushing for you to be extraordinary in what you did because... Your training was special. The service you provided was special. And it was needed Absolutely. for people to get treated. Yeah, yeah. You're a physician. You're an integral part of the team. And those, so those reports where you come down hard and you, and you make a diagnosis, and then you take it a step further and you recommend a treatment, 
That's a value report. Very true. <laughs> That's a value report. That's the, that was my training. Exactly, exactly. And I'll give you one other example of how you come down on something and you're wrong, right? That happens. Oh, yeah. You come down on something and you're wrong. And then you're in Tuma board or you're in conference or you may not be. If you're not in an academic center, you're in a community hospital and, you know, some doctor group comes in and says, hey, I want to give you follow-up on that case. Um, it actually wasn't a meningioma. It was a hemangiopericytoma, you know, something like that. And now where I come in is based on my fellowship treating with Atlas, you could either be like, oh, my God, was it a hemangiopericytoma? <laughs> oh, well, you know, it was this. It kind of looked like this. this is, or you could say, yeah, well, that fits, too. I mean, you're right. <laughs> That's exactly right. Okay. That, it could have been. <laughs> Less common. But right. yeah. 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 Exactly. Right. So did you take it out or what? <laughs> right? Like, there, there, there are two different ways you can react to putting your foot down on something. Right. Exactly. And, and those two ways, and this is something that I also practice a lot, is how do you, how do doctors determine who's a good radiologist and who's a bad radiologist? Charlemagne? <laughs> Angela Yee? How do you guys? DJ Envy. <laughs> how how, how, uh, how short the impression? How short the impression is? Okay, how the short the impression is. Does that mean you're a good radiologist or a bad radiologist? I feel like uh, if your impression is short, people think you're a good radiologist. Okay. Yeah. They, they at least think you're considerate. <laughs> Anything That's else? Right. Um, yeah, I mean, and how prompt you get a report out, yeah. How prompt you get a report out, mm -hmm. okay. Um, another thing that I learned that helps in differentiating good radiologists from bad radiologists in the eyes of other services I'm talking about is really just confidence in being wrong. Yeah. You know, confidence in being wrong. Nobody in the hospital is right all the time. No, and you should And be. nobody knows that better than us because everybody's errors come through us. Right, so we know that nobody's right all the time. But somehow with radiology, sometimes we get stuck with this, you don't want to be wrong. No, nobody wants to be wrong. Because it's on blast. Everybody <laughs> there to see it. Everybody's, and, it, and it's not going anywhere. And because of the unique nature of radiology, it's very easy for other services to bring the report down and be like, hey... Um, you said it was <laughs> with that with that with that grin on their face. <laughs> you so said it was you. this. <laughs> it actually turned out to be this. Uh -huh. You know, and you're kind of like, yeah, okay. Well, thanks for telling me. I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. And they can either, and of course, there's a dichotomy there. You can either have a doctor come back to you and say, "Hey, Asante, just want to let you know." That case, remember we talked about that case two weeks ago? Came out to be this, actually. So, hey, just want to give you feedback. And you're like, hey, thanks. Helpful. Thank you. Yes. Right? And then you got the other doctor who comes and be like, <laughs> remember that case? <laughs> Those haters. <laughs> <laughs> right? So how do you respond to both of those situations? Same. Same way. Thanks for the help.
Exactly. <laughs> right? I've seen radiologists crumble when they get feedback that they were wrong. They crumble. And I think that's all part of, like, blood in the water, which is, like, when other services see you crumble like that, they pick on you more. That's the culture. Or they think, they, they think you're weak. They think, you know, and they come for you more. Whereas if you're stoic and just be like, oh, damn. All right, well, let me addend that. Sorry about that. And you move on. Oh, that's 100%. Never let them see you sweat. Yeah, well, sometimes there will be blood because sometimes, you know, it's just a tough situation. And they just, they, you know, I guess, I guess just being empathic again, but, like, sometimes people just want to know that they weren't the only person that was wrong on this case, you know. And I think that's it's unfortunate, but I think being stoic, like you said, and just being able to um, understand that, like, sometimes they just want to blame someone, you know. That's, that's okay, you know. To me, it's okay, at least. Listen, I have a miss probably in the past six to eight months. I was reading the ER at night, and you know when the ER is cranking, and I could hear the CT turning through the wall, right, which used to give me grand anxiety because you're reading the ER, and then I can hear the gantry turning, and that bad boy was turning what seemed like every 30 seconds. And your list is two pages long, and the yellow yeah. stats are just clinging on the left. And yeah, yeah. The next day, um, one of my colleagues was Monday morning quarterbacking me, mm -hmm. and basically was like, hey, Asante, um, I was going over this case with Dr. XYZ, and I see that... Uh, <laughs> You miss the Mets and the bone. And I was like, Mets and the bone? I was like, oh, man, okay, let me take a look. I take a look, and sure enough, the entire spine was full of Mets. But it was an ER case for, like, belly pain, mm -hmm. right? And so I probably didn't look at the bones. I probably was going so fast that either I looked in the bones and axial only and miss the Mets, or, because I can't remember, I can only suspect that I probably went through my body and did not scan the bones. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> but the way I looked at it, I was like, okay, geez, I was like, let me attend that. I'm sorry about that. Did you tell Dr. XYZ? And he was like, oh, yeah, I told him that it was a clear miss. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, all right, well, okay. You know, I just swallowed, and I was like, all right, okay. So I addended it, and then I, the way I kind of made it go away from me was I was like, okay, I read it last night. It was found by my colleague less than 14 hours later. There is no harm done here. There you go. Let that be. Yes. Right. There, there, exactly. harm done. There's no harm done here. Right. right? And that's because you went through that mental process, though. That's what you got to do. You got to go through that. You'll be very up all important. Night. Exactly. Very important yeah. to go through that mental process right, right there. You'll be up all night. Yeah. And even though some of your colleagues, right, um, you know, you say all skin folk ain't kin folk. Well, that works for radiologists, too. Right? <laughs> all radiologists ain't, ain't radiologists. 
on your team, right? <laughs> and so you have to remember that when they're at you, like, you know, hey, Asante missed those Mets last week, you know, and everybody's like, Diddy! What the megaphone? Mega <laughs> 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 That's right. <laughs> and then you got to remember, you're like, wow, y'all are just yep. trifling because mm -hmm. what does it matter? The guy got a correct yeah. diagnosis within 14 hours. Yeah. Right. Right. You guys didn't even think of cancer. He came in with, with what you thought was appendicitis. Yeah. Right. Well, I was going to say, I think one thing, like, you do this, I do this, too. Like, so I think one way that I try to justify is, like, hey, you know, there's, like, 17 different things we're looking at on this CT scan. Like, I looked at everything else. So at least, like, I feel confident that, like, I made sure that there wasn't anything acute going on at that certain moment, made sure that there wasn't anything crazy going on that was going to change management that night. And that's a good way to kind of justify it in your head that, like, you know, you're not going to be perfect. And I'm sure you're going to be looking at all the bones from now on. So okay, that, Listen, I... I do, but I, I give you another example in the IR realm. I got called in in like 2.30 in the morning because the vascular surgeon was in there doing something. And I don't know what happened, but his wires and stuff just broke off and just started floating. What? Yes. So they called me. That's <laughs> like not good. 2.30 in the morning. I walk into that OR, you know, and I'm just kind of like, what's going on? Mm -hmm. And it's vascular in there. I had like two anesthesiologists in there. It was a lot of people for 2.30 in the morning, right? And <laughs> Got wires floating. And I'm like, okay, try to tell me what happened. And, you know, he's giving me the vascular surgery talk of what instrument he was using and this and that. And, and it really was kind of like a wah, 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 because at the end of the day, I just want to know, where's the wire? Because if that's what I need to get, I just need to know where the wire is. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, you were in the artery, right? He was like, yeah, we were doing this, we were doing that. All right, cool. So I punctured and went in the artery, and I kept trying to grab this wire but I couldn't get it. Like a snare. I went through every snare we had in the hospital. Hmm. Could not grab this wire. And I kept asking them, I'm like, what were you guys doing? And they were like, oh, we were doing this and this and up in the aorta. And this, 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 this. I was like, I don't get it. And I must have been in there for over an hour trying to snag this wire that I could not seem to engage and then as I was like, it must be endothelialized. I, I don't know how. Nothing endothelializes in, in an hour. In an hour. <laughs> yeah. But in my head, it's 2.30 in the morning. Now it's 3.30 in the morning. I was like, I don't know. I took off my gloves and I was like, I, I, I need to go back to school or something because I don't yeah. know what's going on. <clears throat> as I'm sitting on the edge, I was like, wait a second. You in the artery? Yeah. I was like, are you in the artery? And they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, let me puncture the vein. Oh, wow. You know, I punctured the vein. <laughs> this thing just happened to be laying in the vein in the exact same on foss. plane and position of the lumen of the artery, overlapping each other. So mm. the whole time I'm trying to grab this thing and trying to figure out why I never see it really engage is because... Mm. It was in the vein. <laughs> and here's an example of like 
you not going through your process. You're asking the doctors to help you, but you bypassed your own process, right? right. right? My own process, <coughs> had I not had any help, I would have just been like, well, is it arterial or venous? If it's not arterial, it's in the vein. Yeah. Right? But because I came in at 2.30 in the morning, sleepy. Right. Yeah. I was just like. And there's 100 people in there. And there's 100 people in there. And everybody's telling me, we were doing this. We were doing that. And I was like, let's go to the artery. And my mind locked on the artery. Right. Long story short, we pull it out. It was in the iliac. We pulled it out because I went in through the brachial. Because of the surgery, the field down there, I couldn't go through the groin. And I remember I had to, like, do a cut down because when I grabbed it, it came out in such a mass. It, it just wasn't coming out. It, it, you had to rip the whole thing out. Yeah. And as it was coming out, I turned to the surgeon and I was like, how did this get in the vein? You said you were working in the artery. In the artery. Yeah. And he looked at me with that look of. And so well, that's an example to. also of now we caught it, but that's a perfect example of how you can easily miss things that are considered gimmies. In the heat of battle, and that heat of battle could either, could either be in a procedure or you're on the ER board and you got stats for three pages and your blood pressure is elevated and it makes you, you look yes. at the bones on every other study. Why didn't you look at the bones on this particular one? I right. can't tell you why I skipped the bones. I skipped it. Could have been an interruption. <laughs> Biggest reason for misses. Could have been. Yeah. Right. Well, I'm going to say one thing you did, though, I think is a good mental trick, too, is you actually took a break. Like, I know you quit when you took your gloves off, yeah, but you, you took a break. Too. You yes. took a break. And then yeah, you, you were able to refocus. Procedures. Oh, my gosh. Got to take a break. You have to stop. Yeah. And center yourself. Yeah. And you did that. Like, probably unintentionally, you're probably, like, actually done, but you actually did that. And I think just for cases, too. Like, when I read cases and they get difficult or if there's something that you feel like you missed or you just you have a gut feeling you missed something, just take a break. Yeah, you're better off just taking a quick break and then coming right back to it all the time. So now you're back with us. I know you have a big announcement. Are you able to tell us about your announcement on uh, our podcast here today? Uh, yes, Charlemagne. So <laughs> I don't know why you're Charlotte. Because no. Charlemagne sits on the right. <laughs> Angela Yee sits on the left. <laughs> Envy usually sits in front. So in, the, in this in this configuration, I got Charlemagne to my right. I got Angela Yee on my left. Oh, All right, and this is the Breakfast Club microphone right here. It's the same mic. Um, it's not, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, wait, wait. First of all, you gotta go back a little back a little bit. Essential, ascension, ascension me medical educators. educators. Right. <coughs> you told us about it in the last episode. Excuse me for the cough, ladies and gentlemen, but that's actually for another episode. I can tell you about my cough development during medical school, but that's for when I get invited back, we oh, can I talk can. about that. It has something to do with GERD. Uh, it's, 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 <laughs> it's a good med school story. Um, so I am the president of Ascension Medical Educators. 
we are a professional academic coaching and mentoring firm mm-hmm. started by myself and my former uh, teacher and mentor, uh, David Taylor. Shout out. Uh, from Georgetown Medical School. Um, we started this company in about 2018 from just an idea that I had, and I basically started it because I was like, I struggled through the, the medical process, and I'm sure I'm not the only one who struggled through the medical process. All right. So let's create a system where we can teach students how to navigate the medical pipeline. <coughs> Excuse me. On their road to physicianship. Four years later, as of last week, we got the word that we are officially signed and we are now running the National Scholars Program, National Medical Scholars Program for the United Negro College Fund. Big shout out. Big shout out. Yes. Big shout out. Congratulations. Excellent. This is, this is a huge accomplishment. Um, as you know, um, the United Negro College Fund, I always joke and say, even a Klansman knows who the United Negro College Fund is. Right? That is a organization. <laughs> even, even that is an organization that everybody has heard of. They've been around a long time. Um, Can I just say the first time I heard of it, um, this is not good. But the first time I heard of the United Negro College Fund was uh, Keith Murray had a line. Oh. <laughs> I know you know the line. Go ahead. Give it to me. I school people like the United Negro College Fund. I was <laughs> like, what is that? Looked it up. Now I know. Shout out Keith Murray. <laughs> Mind is a terrible thing to waste. You remember that, remember that, remember that commercial from the 90s? Or the, oh, yeah. The deep voice. Yeah. A mind. Is a terrible thing to waste. It was Mufasa. Yeah. Was it Mufasa? Yeah, it sounded like yeah, Mufasa. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> this is just one of the major milestones that we are taking towards diversifying medicine through the yes. creation of more physicians of color. Yes. And um, I hope to be in the next five years. Um, the premier medical education company for underrepresented students in the world because I be. want to expand internationally as well. I know last time <laughs> you talked about going to South, South America. May Africa, 21st, we will be in Rio de Janeiro. Nice. And I'm bringing my mother. Um, oh, my nice. mom is a PhD in urban. My mother is a PhD in urban education, so I'm bringing her with me, and she and I are going to give two lectures on. I'm going to talk about medical education. She's going to talk about education, mm-hmm. and we are going to be trying to get the Brazilian students to understand that their future is bright and. Give them some, some encouragement because in Brazil, as in many other countries outside of the United States, education is not as easy. Mm-hmm. Right. The path is not as straightforward. So that's like Here there is our, a path. Like here, if you get good grades, the system is where you can actually find your way to making it. That's not always the case in other places. So. Not always the case at all. And you're going to be educating the diaspora. In Brazil. Yes, that's exactly. Right. And, and now you have, like, the United Negro College Fund on your back to, you know, 
basically, yeah, to show, to show them. That's yes. that's that's impressive. Congratulations. Yes, you guys might not come back. Yeah, well, no, nah, I'm coming back. <laughs> uh, Brazil's like Miami. You know, it's like after a week or two. And it depends on what part of Brazil you're in. We're going to be in Rio, and Rio yeah. is great. You know, it's a nice tourist place. But as you know, Brazil is a huge country. It is. It is. Right? So, um, congratulations, though. That's big, big time, big time. Definitely, we're going to have you back when you come back. So you can tell us all about the trip. I'm sure you're going to have more announcements. Yeah, right. You're front of the show now. You're just co-host. Yeah, no doubt. Co-host all day. Absolutely. Exactly. We got to make it cool. Once it's so cool. So just to let you know, we we work at the undergrad level, mm-hmm. but we also support students at the medical school level and the postgraduate level. And where can they find you on the website? We are at www.ascendmed.com. That is A-S-C-E-N as in Nancy, M as in Mary, E-D.com. Excellent. We are at A-M-E Docs, at A-M-E Docs on our uh, social media handles. I love it. I love it. I love it. Excellent. Well, we appreciate you being here again with us. Thank you so much for making the time. Thank you, Dr. Dixon. Till next time, stay low, keep firing. <laughs>